Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, as you are aware, we're going to have a water baptismal service tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. And a lot of these things, you know, that are involved in water baptism, we, we talked about this morning that water baptism doesn't save you. You're not baptized in order to be saved. You get baptized because you've been saved, because you've been born again. And uh, it's been said about water baptism that it's an outward act of obedience that typifies an inward reality. Amen. Look with me real quick at Colossians chapter 2 verse 12. Amen. Colossians 2 verse 12. Buried with him in baptism. I see your page is still turning. I'll wait till everybody gets there. Hallelujah. Colossians 2.12, buried with him in baptism, in which also you were raised with him through faith in the working of God. Amen. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. And then turn over to Ephesians, to the second chapter, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, and let's look at verses 4 through 7. But God, who is rich in mercy, aren't you glad he's rich in mercy? He's not just merciful, he's rich in mercy, abundant in mercy. (laughs) But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in union with Christ Jesus. Thank God he raised us up together with Christ. Praise the Lord. And so like I said, you know, uh, baptism doesn't save you. It typifies what's already happened. Now, when I was a little boy, uh, our church and our denomination, the Church of God, now this was in the, I was born in 1952, and there was a healing revival that was going on in America across all of the Pentecostal denominations. And they had, uh, in America, there were great healing evangelists that had been raised up. And it happened from 19... Uh, 47 to 1957 or something like that. And so I was born in 1952. So I was born kind of at the end of that. But I remember some of those tent meetings. Uh, Some of these evangelists would travel around the country and they'd have huge uh, healing crusades, evangelistic meetings and healing crusades. And uh, in the church of God, we had a national, sort of a national evangelist by the name of T.L. Lowry. Does anybody remember T.L. Lowry? Yeah. Yeah, and he came to Jacksonville, Florida, and I was just a little boy. And uh, it was in the, in probably in the mid-50s, I guess. And uh, he held a, uh, put up his tent, and it was just this, ma- this tent, uh, it, it took several tractor trailers to deliver this tent. And it seated thousands of people. 
I mean thousands, not just one or two thousand. It's, it was probably eight to 10,000 people. It was a huge tent. And he held this revival, and I don't know how long it lasted. I think it probably lasted a week, but to me, in my little, in my little mind, it lasted longer. And, uh, but they told a story. Now, I don't know if this story is true, but they, I, I kind of think it wasn't, but it's still a funny story. And when I was a little boy, I thought it was true. They said that, that now, now I do remember this, that they'd have this revival meeting all, all week, morning and night. And then on Sunday, they didn't have a service Sunday morning or Sunday night, but Sunday afternoon they'd have a, a service and they'd have a water baptismal service for all the people that got saved in the crusade. And I remember the fire department brought this humongous tank out. And they filled it with water and they had a big platform set up, you know. Well, the story went like this, that there was a little boy that was just around in the neighborhood. And uh, he kept coming to the meetings. He didn't really know what was going on. It's a little guy, you know. And he was, you know, he, his parents didn't know where he was, I guess, or something. And he kept, you know, he kept getting a little closer, a little closer. And when it comes Sunday for that baptismal service, he didn't know what was going on. So he come, he kind of snuck up the steps, you know. And the evangelist and his enthusiasm just grabbed this kid and, and dunked him down, you know, and, and brought him and said, you believe? And, and, and he sputtered, you know, and he dunked him down again, said, you believe? And he just kind of sputtered and he dunked him down again. And third time pulled him and said, you believe? Yeah, I believe you're trying to kill me. I don't know if that happened or not, but it reminds me of another story I heard more recently. There's this drunk man that, that stumbled into a baptismal service and he didn't know what was going on. He was, he was falling down drunk, you know, and somehow he got in the same situation, you know, and, and so the minister grabbed him and pulled him up there and put him under the water and uh, pulled him up and said, have you found Jesus? And he just, you know, dunked him down in the water and pulled him up again. I said, have you found Jesus? And he didn't know what to say. Dunked him down the third time, put him, have you found Jesus? He said, are you sure this is where he fell in? (laughs) The point is we're not looking for Jesus in the water. If you haven't already found him, you're not going to find him in the water. (laughs) Hallelujah. Well, you know, uh, Jesus, we talked about this morning that, that Jesus commanded water baptism. He said that we were to go into all the nations and uh, teaching them to observe all things that, we've, that, that he commanded us, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, water baptism was already in practice at the time of Christ. Uh, it was something that the Jews were familiar with, and they had, they had several different uh, uh, types of, ba- of baptism. They weren't necessarily official, but they had evolved over the years. And uh, right before Jesus came on the scene, John the Baptist went out, you know, in, into the wilderness outside of, of Jerusalem and, and Judea, and, and crowds came to him, and he preached a message of repentance. And when people came to him repenting of their sins, he would baptize them. And so in the time of Christ, water baptism was something that was very uh, fresh. Even maybe it had been practiced before at different times, but because of the popularity of John the Baptist, I mean, everybody, thousands of people came out to, to hear him and to be baptized. And of course, we know that Jesus, you know, showed up and, and John baptized him in water. So water baptism was practiced. Uh, we found out the fact that uh, uh, Jesus commanded it. And so to be baptized in water is an act of obedience after one makes Jesus the Lord of his life. Amen. 
Now, uh, let's just look at a couple of, or, well, more than a couple, but real quickly look at several scriptures. Go with me to Acts chapter 2, so we'll get a foundation of how prevalent and how common uh, water baptism was in the first century. And in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, you know, they had uh, the first time the gospel was preached to the, to the people of Israel uh, after Jesus had been raised from the dead. And in the second chapter... And uh, let's look at verse 38. Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Uh, Going over then to Acts chapter 8. Let's look at this occurrence, Acts chapter 8. This was when... uh, uh, the gospel was first preached to Samaria. Philip went down and preached to the, the gospel to them. And in verse uh, number 12, it says, But when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Notice that water baptism followed people being saved. When people were saved, they were baptized in water. Now, I'll make this note to you that the word baptize, uh, English word baptize, comes from the Greek word uh, baptismo, and it literally means to immerse, to place into. And the reason some denominations, and even, even denominations that uh, don't practice immersion, they practice sprinkling or pouring a little water, even those denominations, when you, when you press it, they'll admit that in the beginning it wasn't that way. In the beginning it was immersion. And uh, the, the reason it changed was because, like I said this morning, they began to, back around the uh, 12th and the 14th century, right about that time, the, uh, the, the Roman Catholic Church in particular, they, instead of having just two sacraments, two ordinances, they, come up, they came up with 12. And I don't remember, some of you used to be Catholics, you know what, some of them were confirmation and some of the, you know, Eucharist and different things. Uh, all of them were, were sacraments. And... Uh, over time, they became, they became to believe that they were necessary for salvation, that with a certain one of these sacraments, you had to partake of the sacrament in order to be saved. Well, water baptism was one of those. Well, the problem is uh, they gave people last rites, and a lot of times, you know, when you gave people last rites, they were on their deathbed. They couldn't go down into the water. So for convenience sake, you know, because of the, the, the situation, they, they poured water on them and then sprinkled water on them. And uh, so that's how that came to pass. But in the beginning, it wasn't that way. And the problem with it is the sprinkling and the pouring doesn't typify what happens when a person is born again, that we were placed into Christ. And so there's a reason for immersion. And so we still practice that. And so does every Bible believing church. Amen. Uh, go over to the ninth chapter of Acts. Acts chapter 9, look at verse number uh, 18. This is talking about Saul of Tarsus, who later became Paul. In verse 18, it says, Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. Notice that every one of these people here, the, uh, the, the believers there in, in, in the previous chapter in Samaria, and on the day of Pentecost, these were people who had already accepted Christ. Then they were water baptized. Going over to the 10th chapter, and let's look at the incident where Cornelius and his household was baptized. Uh, while Pe- this is verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell 
upon all those who heard the word, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water, that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. So they were baptized after having been saved and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Go over to the 16th chapter. 16th chapter. And let's look at verse number 14. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshiped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by by Paul. And when she and her house were baptized... Uh, She begged us saying, if you judge me faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us, the writer said. So after she heeded the things spoken by Paul, she and her household were baptized. Same thing happened to the Philippian jailer in the 16th chapter. And let's look at verse number 33. Or let's start in verse 31. They said, believe on, on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to them and all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. And uh, we won't go any further, but you can look over in uh, Acts uh, chapter 18, how the Corinthians were baptized. And he talks about that in 1 Corinthians. And then in the 19th chapter, we have the uh, uh, 12 uh, disciples at Ephesus. They were baptized after having believed on the Lord. So what are baptism is central to the New Testament. Amen. Now, people understood the significance of water baptism in the first century because, like I said, water baptism was already being practiced. It was already associated with a religious experience. And, and it was part of, of signifying outwardly to other people that you had uh, become a participant in that particular religion, whatever it was. So it wasn't unique to Christianity. But Jesus gave us a new, uh, a new baptism. We're baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so uh, that's true, but, but why is baptism still practiced today? Now, the short answer is, of course, Jesus, Jesus uh, uh, commanded it. So it doesn't matter. That, that would be the end of that discussion, but there is more. Uh, you know, it occurs to me that water baptism has become widely uh, or significantly, significantly diminished in our society, not just in America, but all over the world, as more of a religious rite uh, that doesn't seem to have any, have any purpose in it. Not very many people really understand baptism. They just associate it with getting religion, getting saved or joining a church, you get baptized. But the act, of, the act itself seems to be out of place in the world because it doesn't happen anywhere else. You don't, you don't join a social organization or some type of service club. And they say, oh, great, you know, here, here are our tenants and this is what we're all about. Do you believe these things? Yep, sign this. We'll come next, next Tuesday and we'll sit you in a bathtub and dunk you in water. Nobody does that. Nobody does. And, and I, this is the way my mind thinks. I think, you know, it's kind of strange. We bring people in. Sit them in a bathtub and put them underwater, fully clothed. 
Why do we do that? Is it, is it still relevant? Well, the reason uh, it's become a ritual and meaningless to many people is because they don't understand the spiritual significance. I want to give you three pictures of water baptism from the, the, the New Testament. Turn with me, first of all, to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. Hallelujah. Are you out there tonight? Amen. First Peter chapter three, and let's start in verse number 18. For Christ also suffered once for us, or for sins rather, the just for the unjust. I'm going to start over. Some people are slow. I can hear you slow people out there still turning pages. Or if you're on your tablets, you're really slow. Verse, this is... 1 Peter 3.18, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Now notice these words because these are very important. Being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the spirit. That's a very important concept where water baptism is concerned. Being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the spirit. By whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, who formerly were disobedient, when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight souls, were saved through water. There is also an antitype which now saves us. Now, when you find a type in the Bible, a type is, is something, generally speaking, a type of, of, of anything is something that illustrates something else. It's, a, it's, it's something that already exists, but maybe it's illustrated in another form. We call that a type. And the thing being illustrated is the antitype. Now, I'm, I'm real careful about calling things types because scripturally, the only thing that we have the real scriptural uh, right to call a type is something that is called a type in the Bible or is spoken of in such a way that it's clearly a type. Because a lot of preachers find all kinds of types. When I was in Bible school, one of my one of one of all of our my classes uh, favorite uh, professors instructors was was a, a a wonderful teacher, and he was a very deep teacher. He just he he studied and he brought out a lot of information from the Bible, and he had. He found so many types in the scripture everywhere he looked and this was a type of that and this was a type of the other. And, you know, we were young. We didn't know any better. And, and, and honestly, he was a young, for, for his position, he was a young man. He was probably in his 30s or 40s, you know, maybe, maybe 40s. And uh, he found so many types and he would astonish us. I remember we would leave his class and we'd go, Wow. I never saw that. I've read that scripture 25, 50, 100 times. I've never seen that before. I didn't know that was a type. Well, after I grew in the Lord a little bit, after I'd gotten out of Bible school and was in the ministry for a few years, I realized the reason we never seen some of those things because we, they weren't there. <laughs> People can, can read things into things that aren't actually there. But when we find something in the Bible that's called a type, it's a type. Now notice it says that Let's go back to our, to our scripture. Uh, it says that the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah. 
You remember what happened in the days of Noah, Noah and the ark and the flood. While the ark was being prepared in which a few, you ever, you ever wondered how many a few is? It's eight. In which a few, that is eight souls were saved. Notice they were saved through water. Now that does not mean that the physical water saved them. Because, well, let's, let's read the next verse. They were saved through water. There is also an antitype which now saves us. So the flood and the water was a type of water baptism that we have today that now saves, it says, there, this is also an antitype which now saves us, baptism. But now notice this, before you think that water baptism saves you, this is, this is another place where people uh, base some of their false doctrine. Water baptism, we're saved now by water baptism. But notice the, the, the type that in, in Noah's day, they weren't saved by the water because they didn't go into the water. They were saved out of the water. The water never touched them. The only way, it says they were saved through the water. They went through the water in a boat. They went through the water in an ark. So they were saved and the water was something they experienced, but it had no saving power. You know what saved them? You know what saved them? Their obedience, their faith. You know, it took faith for Noah to build an ark. It took him over a hundred years to build the ark, they say. I'm not sure if that's true, but but it took him a long time. And uh, there was no need for an ark. It was dry ground. He built this big ark and he was being criticized. He was mocked. Well, it, that's, that's an act of faith to obey God. Hebrews 11 says, by faith, Moses, or, or rather uh, Noah, acted in faith and prepared an ark for the saving, for the saving of his household. His household was saved with him because they acted in faith with him. It took faith to go out into that ark because they, they, just because God said it, they believed it and did it. That's what saved them. So the water didn't save them, and neither does the water save us. Amen. It says, uh, this is an antitype which now saves us, baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, uh, this is a good picture. The flood is a good picture of water baptism. These eight people believed and were set apart from the world. When they went into that ark, they set themselves apart from the world. And when God, they didn't close, you read in the Bible, read it real close, real carefully. They didn't shut the other people out. The Bible says the Lord shut them in. Because they left the door open and it was open to anybody who wanted to come in. But when nobody came, the Bible says the Lord shut the doors and shut them in the ark. And you know what happened during the, during the flood? It flooded. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights. And the, not only did it rain nonstop, it says that the foundations, the fountains of the earth uh, began to spring up. And that means every spring, every river, every place of water began. A, what we would call in Florida the aquifer. I don't know if they have a term for that around the world, but wherever those water tables are all over the world, you know, even in the desert, there's water if you go deep enough. 
all of that water that was under the ground came gushing to the surface and the entire earth was flooded. Everything died. When that happened to these eight people in the ark, this was Noah and, and, and his, fan, his immediate family, that, that was a separation from everything that had gone on before. Because everything died. And when the water began to recede off of the earth, it still took many, many days. And when they came down out of that ark, everything had died. All the people were dead. All of, the, all of society had been wiped out. Everything they knew was gone. They had known, I should say, was gone. Now the plant life, the seed, was still in the ground. So the earth began to reproduce again the same vegetation, the same uh, flora and fauna. You know, they carried the animals into the ark and, and they went back out, you know, and, and, and uh, repopulated the earth. So the world that came after was similar, but it was starkly different in that everything they remembered was gone. Everybody they'd ever known except the, the eight of them were gone. And that's really a, a picture of, of why we are baptized in water because it typifies the fact that our past life was wiped out. It was, it was completely destroyed and, it, and it's never come back. None of those people now, the earth was not as populated as it is now. So I'm not suggesting that they were in the ark that, you know, bloated, swollen, stinking bodies were bumping, bumping up against the ark. I don't know. They, it was, you know. they were high up on the water. But there were dead people in the water. And uh, when they got out of the ark, they, they, it was very real to them that they were in a new world. Everything from their past had gone and their future was brand new. That's what water baptism typifies. That's why we baptize in water. That's one picture. Go with me over now to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And let's look at verse 1 and 2. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 1 and verse 2. Hallelujah. Verse 1 says, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food. All drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. Well, now there's a type. Didn't use the word type or antitype, but that's clearly a type. The rock that, that, that they drank from. Remember that... Uh, the Lord spoke to Moses, told Moses, he told him to speak to the rock when they needed water. Moses disobeyed because he was angry with the people. And instead of speaking to the rock, he smote the rock with a stick. And when he did, water came out. And, and the, rock, the, the rock was a type of Christ and he wasn't to be smitten before his time. And because of that disobedience, Moses was not able to go into the promised land. You remember that? He couldn't go in that in because of that very act. But my point is that 
this typifies water baptism again, because notice they were baptized into, into Moses in, in, in the rock and, and, and so forth. Well, again, they had to completely trust God for their passage. They had to completely, when, the, when, when they went through the Red Sea, uh, it wasn't a social event. They didn't, they didn't go down to the Red Sea and have a party. They were being pursued by Pharaoh and his armies. And they took everything they had. They had to leave, they had to leave their homes. They had to leave their farms. They had to leave their, wherever they lived. They had to leave. They just took the things that they needed to take. They took their cattle, so they took some stuff with them. But they took the things with them and left everything behind. And their past was pursuing them. When people get saved, a lot of times their past still pursues them. Have you been pursued by your past before? It can. It can try to follow you. And, uh, but they were leaving all of that behind. They realized, I, well, I say they realized, really, I checked myself. I don't think they really did realize what was ahead of them. They, were, they knew they were going to worship the Lord in the wilderness and, and follow him. But when Moses said, we're going this way, they got to the water and said, where, where, where are we going? We're going that way. Yeah, but there's water there. Uh, it took faith to go into the water. There was a future ahead of them, but it was unknown. That's what happens when people get saved. It's unknown. Nobody that gets saved, I would say virtually nobody, understands what's happening to them when they get saved. They don't really realize all that they're leaving, and they don't realize what's ahead of them. When the children of Israel went down into the water. They're, they're, they knew they were leaving their past, but their past was fast, fastly approaching from behind. And they got down in the middle of that water, and when, the, when they come out on the other side, and the water overwhelmed Pharaoh and his army, for the first time they realized, we're free. We're free. We're free from our past. Our past just got destroyed. But that meant that a new life was awaiting them. Glory to God. It it was scary at first and it was uncertain. And that's what happens when people are being saved. Uh, Their past ruler had been rendered powerless. (laughs) That's what happens when we're born again. Our past ruler is rendered powerless. They left slavery behind and walked into the freedom of the Lord. They now had a new ruler. Moses was their new ruler, not Pharaoh. And Moses is called a type of Christ. Moses himself actually said, the Lord will raise up another one from your brethren like me. Listen to him. So Moses is clearly a type. I'm not making up types. Moses was a type of Christ. And uh, so, like I said, there may have been a helpless feeling when they walked into the water, seeing the armies come after them. But when they came out of the water and, and, and the waters rushed back and, and destroyed Pharaoh and their army, they realized, like I said, for the first time that they had been ushered into a brand new life in a brand new land. Uh, I was thinking about the fact that, uh, well, before I say what I'm going to say, I'll, I'll use this in the next picture. Let's go over to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, we'll look at the third picture. Then I'll make a comment that will apply to all of it. Romans chapter 6. 
Verse 1 says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall he or we who have died to sin live any longer in it? Do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Remember, baptized means to be submerged in something, immersed in something. Do you not know that, that as many of us as were baptized, submerged into Christ Jesus, were submerged into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together, united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. The, the old sin nature, the man we were, was crucified together with Christ. That the body of sin, the sin nature might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves of sin. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Did you know when you accepted Christ, you accepted his death, you participated in his death? Amen. But you didn't stay dead. You were made alive together with him. And you were raised up together with him. And the Bible says, seated with him in the heavenly places. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. In my Bible, I have a little note there. And I said, oh, or me. Death no longer has dominion over me. Has, not anymore. Because I'm together with Christ. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Verse number 11 is a powerful verse you should get a hold of. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The Weiss translation here, I love the way he words this. He said, be constantly counting on the fact that you are dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in, in, in its lust. Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but you are under grace. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Water baptism is so much a picture of our union with Christ in his death and his burial. When we lower that person into the, into the water, we're symbolizing that dead in Christ. They died in Christ and were buried. But when we pull them back up, it signifies that we were raised up together with them. Glory to God. Now, nobody knows this when they first get saved. That's, that's, that's pretty deep theology. When, when you lead people to the Lord and you're witnessing somebody, you, you usually say something like, well, you, know, this, uh, you know, Jesus has died for your sins and you can be changed, you can have new life, you know, and you can come and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. We very rarely would tell people, uh, I'm, I'm giving you the opportunity to die with Christ. 
and to be buried with him and to be raised up with him. Most people would go, let me, let me think about this. <laughs> you just might be a cult. I'm not sure. <laughs> they don't know. We don't tell people that. They don't understand it. That's why we have water baptism as a living picture of it. People in the New Testament were baptized right after they were saved and then they were taught the significance of her and it became an an enduring and ongoing reminder. Oh yes, I remember that I was buried, I've died and I was buried with Christ. When he, being, going into the water is not what did it, it was a picture of it, but it was a very vivid picture of it. Glory to God. And so we have water baptism for this purpose. We should continually be rejoicing in this reality. You know, I said this morning that there are two sacraments or, or ordinances of the church. Water baptism signifies uh, our, our union with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. And it signifies new spiritual life or spiritual life begun. You're only, you're only baptized in water one time. Now, like I said this morning, if you backslide and been away from the Lord and you want to, you know, you come back into fellowship with the Lord, if you want to get baptized again, it doesn't hurt. But the point is you're baptized one time because spiritual life only begins once. Communion, on the other hand, is something that we partake of frequently and it signifies spiritual life continued and, and, and one is the beginning and the other is the nurturing of that spiritual life. But at the same time, we should always look back to water baptism and thank God for what it typifies. When we come to a service like this and we're going to have six people, I think, tonight baptized in water, we we ought to be thinking about the fact that we died with Christ. Even though we were baptized in water so many years ago, I was, I was rebaptized because I'd backslidden and gotten away from the Lord, you know, as a young man. And when I was 21 or 22, somewhere around there, I got back in fellowship when I was 20, some, I don't know, in the next couple of years, I got baptized in water again because my new life was so fresh. And I wanted to have that statement. I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to be in front of the church. And, and when people were baptized back then, people come up out of the water and, and, and people would be inspired. They start testifying of how, how good God had been and what the new life meant to them. And I, and I come up out of the water. I said, I just thank God. Oh, glory to God. I'm not the person I used to be. I'm a brand new man. Hallelujah. And, and, and I was so full of the reality of, and sometimes the spirit of God would move in water baptismal service and the Holy Ghost would come on people. And I mean, it would be a wild business. People start praising God and shouting and water's going everywhere. And, and the congregation enjoyed it because we all reminisced. We all remembered our time of passage through Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. Glory to God. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.